outcast, period, outcast. That's when it changed. That was the first time when people began to take Southern rap seriously. That's according to fellow Atlanta legend T.I. It's hard to remember, or if you're a young person, hard to believe how much the hip-hop world broke down into L.A. versus New York until the mid-90s. As a certain Andre Benjamin put it after being booed at the Source Awards in 1995, it's like we got a demo tape, but don't nobody want to hear it. But it's like this, the South got something to say. There were exceptions, of course. Kids had been passing around two live crew tapes since the 80s, and Ghetto Boys' We Can't Be Stopped was a smash in 1991. But Southern hip-hop didn't really explode until 1996. Outkast's second album debuted at number two on the charts. The backing tracks exploded with gospel, reggae, funk, country, and rock motifs, all overseen by a couple of lyrically sharp 20-year-old goofballs. While most East and West Coast MCs of the time were focused on hyper-realistic street opera, Big Boy and Andre tried on absurdist personas, prefiguring and inspiring the Afro-surrealist storytelling of Donald Glover's Atlanta. Later, of course, Outkast would ascend to an even higher level of fame with a pop song that you've probably heard sometime in the last week. But this is a 90s show, and this month on Hidden Jukebox, we're talking about the title track of Outkast's 1996 breakthrough, AT Aliens. I don't know if uh, Outkast has ever been referred to as goofballs or any other hip hop project for that matter, but they might appreciate they're it. They're totally goofballs. They're, Come they're on. completely goofballs. You just never really think, oh, rap music, what a bunch of goofballs. I mean, I, I think of I think of it that way a lot. Well, if you go back and watch the video for Hey Ya, uh, yeah, I mean, at least one of them is definitely a goofball. Oh, they did that th- that song? <laughs> I think so. Okay. Wait, what song were you talking about? I was talking intro? about Hey Ya. <laughs> um, so they, you know, this album debuted at number two, but that's not to say that their first album wasn't a smash success. Uh, Southern playlist to Cadillac Music yes. uh, featured the song Players Ball, which was definitely a bona fide hit. So this it felt like each album that they put out further catapulted them into the stratosphere of stardom. Yes. Oh, I'll, I'm so glad you mentioned the title of their first album because I love that they were so into Cadillacs that that was their luxury car of choice. I read an interview this week uh, with Big Boy and the interviewer talked about, boy, you guys uh, really liked Cadillacs back in the day, huh? And he's like, yeah, we still do like Cadillacs. And he was talking about how he sold a couple of cars to Killer Mike okay. and still regrets letting go of both of the cars. <laughs> I mean, a Cadillac is like such a nerdy car. Like, it's so nerdy, it's cool. I know. <laughs> right? I, I know. It's it like... You think about Escalades mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that in the 90s, and it's like, well, we don't really do Escalades in the South. We do Cadillacs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, Southern rap definitely existed before this. But when I think of Southern rap, I think of Outkast. Yeah, me too. They they were and, and a lot of newer artists. For well, sure. of, of course. I mean, I mean, I made a list okay. of, yeah, yeah. of some of them since then. Um. So Criss Cross was from the South. Okay, I don't think I knew that until you put it on the list. Uh, Ghetto Boys, of course. Goody Mob came up with uh, Outkast and were part of the Organized Noise label, Mm -hmm. um, which was doing a lot of the music out of the South at that time. Two Live Crew, and then more contemporary, Lil Wayne, Ludacris, Nappy Roots, these days Travis Scott. And, of course, T-Pain. You added Megan the Stallion as yep, well. from Houston. Yep. Um, 
I, I'm so glad you mentioned, I mean, I mentioned two live crew in the intro also, but I think we need to do Band in the USA on this show. It's, it's a, not a good song, but like the, like, Luke Campbell, like as a historical character, just has the wildest stories. Like I think about it all the time. It it was released in 1990. I was yeah. going to say earlier than that. Um, you have suggested Ghetto Boys many times. That's which, true. Which I keep saying no to. Band in the USA. I think I'd be willing to do. Okay. Because not to get too off topic here, but I just remember being like 10, 11, 12 years old. And our parents let us listen to a lot. And two, two Live Crew was like, nope, not that. <laughs> yeah. Which, of course, made me go, well, now I've got to right. check I this mean, out. Right. I mean, they like they were like such brilliant marketers because like, you know, you want to be the band that parents that parents are like, nope, my kid isn't listening to that. Like, what a better way to become. There's no better way to become a popular band. <laughs> right. Like Guns N' Roses was kind of like yeah, that. Kind of. Uh, and yet our parents, Metallica. our parents let us listen to that. Yeah. But but Two Live Crew. <laughs> I think it it partially had to do with the videos and how like blatantly sexist and oh yeah yeah like like it, they they just didn't want it to be a part of our lives and yet I remember it very clearly and and me too and yeah. thought, it, thought it was fantastic I, yeah I thought we want some pussy was the most hilarious thing I had ever heard I was like I can't believe you can like re- record that um so what differentiates. Uh, Southern hip hop from West Coast to East Coast, especially around this time. Okay, so I I think my answer really like speaks more to like later waves of Southern hip hop. So I think I think what you're going to talk about is probably more about the the backing tracks and instrumentation. Uh, what I think of when I think of Southern rap is like the willingness to get extremely weird with the flow, the accent, the your slang and like other aspects of the vocal. Actually that is what I'm going to okay. talk about. All right. I, like they were still taking from what everybody was taking which was 70s funk. Like you hear a lot of P-funk sure. in, in Outkast and they were mixing it a slightly different way, but I don't think I could put it into words in a way where people would be interested and go, "Oh yeah, I never thought of that." But the lyricism and and really the way that they used their vocals almost as an instrument was so different from like the East Coast, West Coast thing where everybody had their own voice, but it, they weren't playing with it the way that this music was. Yeah, they were not the first rappers to heavily use triplets, but uh, they were the first superstars to do it. I had never thought of that. And then w- once I read that you would put that down, I started going back. I'm like, wow, they are just constantly rapping in triplets yeah and like one of one of our listeners i was talking to my friend molly who's a listener to the show recently and she said like explain when you use like a musical uh jargon word like uh can you explain it a little more so uh do you want to do you want to explain what a triplet is so one two three four so you hear it's in threes over four yeah and uh and in particular outcast will like throw one of those in in a line that goes and a, and a lot of rappers after yep. them uh, like took that and ran with it. Um, <laughs> I don't know why you didn't read this part that you added in. I mean, they talk about lean a lot. <laughs> okay, that is true. Do, do you know what lean is? Yes. <laughs> okay, for listeners who don't know what lean is, do you want to explain it? It's uh, it's like a like a cough syrup, like coating cough syrup cocktail. That, that you drink if you're if you're like a uh, cool guy. I don't know if I would add in the cool guy part, but <laughs> but yes, you've you've mostly got it correct. 
I, I remember being a teenager and learning what lean was. I don't think that I ever tried it. No, it's, it doesn't seem like a great idea, but like I'm an old dad, so I would say that. Well, I guess my thing was we didn't have that much trouble getting a hold of alcohol. Like, was there this thing where it was like, well, alcohol is good, but lean is great. Yeah, I mean, I think you just have to have like some some like drug of choice that that like you know you and your friends can can uh, like joke about and think is the cool drug. Well, the South really leaned into that one. Sure did. Boom. Um, so so I do love the loyalty in hip hop to a geographic region. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned this. So so you get it in country music, obviously. Yep. And you you kind of get it with like Springsteen and Bon Jovi. For some reason, New Jersey, New Jersey takes, yeah, takes a lot so of weird. pride in it. But like, the Wrens also like and uh, uh, Titus Andronicus are both bands from like newer indie bands from New Jersey who talk about New Jersey in their songs a lot. And, and then of course there's Red Hot Chili Peppers, which for people who don't know are from California. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but mostly like if you ask somebody where X Y or Z is from, right? You don't know, but like there's a lot of pride in hip hop and rap music with where you're you're from and Atlanta stands out so much when it comes to southern hip hop. Yeah, what if all the breeders songs were about Ohio? Or or like uh <laughs> Uh, what am I thinking of? Three Eleven, Nebraska. This <laughs> was Three Eleven from Nebraska. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. Oh, oh yeah, like like Omaha. That and, would be really they, funny. They don't sing about Omaha, but they really should. Mm-hmm. Um, so so they, you know, they they had this identity where they were like, well, we're not trying to copy East Coast or West Coast. We're doing our own thing. Um, and and I think that a lot of their popularity came from partially just having a bunch of people in the South who wanted something that they could identify with, but partially just that it was something that was completely different from everything else that was coming out at that time. Yeah, you bet. So, like, uh, Outcast was known for, like, an incredible density of, like, fun turns of phrase, and this song is definitely not an exception. Um, I noticed, so, so I, like, especially if we're going to do a rap song, but but anytime, I'll go on Genius.com and see what people are saying about the song. And sometimes there's an official annotation, meaning the original artist, like, went in and uh, added uh, their own uh, little take on the song. And in this case, uh, so uh, there's Big Boy Raps, uh, I'm cooler than a polar bear's toenails which is one of my favorite lines and on genius he wrote polar bears clearly have claws but you know and i noticed that he he posted this in 2016 which i imagine maybe was for like the 20th anniversary of the album but i like to think that just like one day he woke up is like i need to explain this polar bear thing at the risk of sounding uh really out of touch I don't know what Genius.com is. Oh, okay. Genius.com is a lyrics website where anybody can annotate the lyrics with with like what uh, what you think they mean. And so as you would expect, it's a mix of like really smart, astute interpretations and really dumb shit. Right. Kind of like Wikipedia. It's kind of like Wikipedia in that way. But for yes. lyrics. Can we talk a little bit about the... Uh, identities of these two and, sure. and how they were similar and also how they were different. Oh, yes. Which, very different. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, the Key and Peele sketch, right? Oh, we're definitely going <laughs> to okay. talk about the Key and Peele sketch. So, th- they started uh, doing music together in high school. When their first album came out, they were 20. 
These guys have. Oh, I think they were younger. They than might have that. even yeah. been younger than that. Like, I think these, they were twenty when this came out. Uh, these or guys at least when they recorded it have have like a thirty plus year career, and Big Boy just nope. He's forty nine. Okay, it's yep. it's crazy to me. Like they they have years ahead of them. Has Big Boy ever gotten to uh, work with Kate Bush? I know that that he's long said that this is. You don't know about this? No. Okay. Okay. Uh, Big Boy is like the world's biggest Kate Bush fan and has been like like his whole life uh, and like has always said like his ultimate dream is to is to get to like record with Kate Bush and like really? was saying a few years ago like it might happen but I think it didn't. No, I I mean I've I've never heard of this. Okay, this is absolutely true. S- side note, I watched an interview with Maynard James Keenan this week and he mentioned that his two biggest influences were Black Sabbath and Joni Mitchell. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can kind of see I that. I was like, I can see that. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Yeah. So so I feel like when they started, they had this, I don't want to say, certainly common vision, but like their own personalities, but with a similar idea of what the music was going to sound like. And as the albums went on, these things got further and further apart until they get to speaker box right. the love below where they're so different in ideas that they're like well you just do an album and i'm just gonna do an album yep and that was 2003 and that's where hey ya came from which the first time i heard that song i'm like who is this and then when i found out who it was i was like what the hell is going on here <laughs> hey is so good like it you know it's it's one of those songs that like absolutely lives up to the hype i think Like, I never get tired of hearing it. I agree. We've had conversations on this show before where we say, what are songs that transcend genre? Yeah, that's certainly one of them. Yeah, somehow we've never mentioned this song. That's weird, yeah. um, But they had this this great back and forth where they would release a single from Speaker Box, then Mm -hmm. a single from The Love Below, then Speaker Box, then The Love Below. And the amazing thing about it, to me at the time, was that they were both creating absolute monster hit records oh yeah separately together and they didn't wind up like hating each other or saying you know eventually they went their own way but it seemed to be an amicable thing not like yeah. a, i i can't stand you now but let's talk about the key and peel sketch for a minute so there's a key and peace key and peel sketch called uh why outcast will never get back together <laughs> And it's really just about how like uh, a big big boy is kind of a regular guy, and uh, Andre like more and more turned into a cartoon character in a lovable way. Yeah, they they're they accidentally run into each other in a coffee shop, and uh, Andre walks up to the counter and orders a drink that comes in a vase that, that's green and, and has all those things going on. And big boy's like, what the hell happened? You were cool, man. <laughs> and he's like dancing around everywhere, wearing a Robin hood hat. It, yes. Yes, exactly. It, it's very strange. It leads us uh, into him releasing a flute album this year, which, yep. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he, again, like I, I listened to it once. I was like, OK, good for him. <laughs> he, he plays by his own rules. Yes. I like it. Big Boy has stuck to what yep. he does really well. Yeah. And and is still extremely successful. What was was it Big Boy's first solo album? Was it The Adventures of uh, Lucky Lucius Left Foot? It was a really good title. I, I almost remember it. Um, It was. 
Sir Lucius Leftfoot, the son of Chico Dusty. Excellent. Even better than uh, I remember. Uh, amazing. <laughs> so amazing. good. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he's released three albums and, yeah. then, and then done collaborations with a bunch of people, including coming out with Goose at one point. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Um, really open-minded. Another thought that I've had doing doing research for this this week is, and this is a little contentious, but there was a lot of uh, talk of violence and rap wars during the 90s yeah, in course. between East Coast and West Coast. And Southern rap never really played into that part of things. Like you listen to the lyrics on this album and they're not violent. There's not a lot about like, carrying my gad around things like that like the topics were certainly about how they came up and where they came up but but not a lot about that yeah that's true and i think that's probably partly why i described them as goofballs although i would describe wu-tang as goofballs in their own way oh, they're, they're i mean old dirty bastard come on <laughs> yeah was was a, a real classic goofball <laughs> absolutely um okay couple other things so first of all uh in the chorus of this song as everybody knows they say throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care um and if you like first, and then they say if you like fish and grits and all that pimp shit, which makes me hungry every time because fish and grits <laughs> is really good. Um, but uh, it got me wondering, like, do we know who was the first person to say, like, like to record, uh, throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care, or some variation of that? And the answer is no, not really. But I did find some early examples that I wanted to share uh, to share. Uh, so first off, in the in the hip hop genre, are you familiar with the song? Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, the roof is on fire by uh, Rockmaster Scott and the Dynamic Three. Of course, yeah. So uh, like a classic of '80s rap that then uh, got uh, like sampled, borrowed by the Bloodhound Gang for Fire, Water, Burn. So uh, they, they're, the chorus of that is, uh, well, it's not even the chorus. It's like one of the verses. Now throw your hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care. And if you're not a square from Delaware and you got on clean underwear. Yes. Which, like, just even saying it, like, this is like such an 80s rap thing, right? Right. It's just like, these are the first rhymes that came into my head. Well, and, and also <laughs> the, the last line of this, of this chorus Everybody, let me hear you say, "Oh yeah, yeah,er." Yeah, I I absolutely love it. Yeah, um, and this does have a chorus. One of these things that came out of the '90s that that I always noticed with hip hop is, uh, I think it became more mainstream because these groups started coming up with choruses. Whereas you look at a song like "Rapper's Delight," yeah, which has this great groove that everybody knows. It doesn't really ever go to a chorus. True. Like most people can't p pick out a single line from the, the whole thing. Okay, so one more wave your hands in the air. You ready? So right. 1972 on uh, Young, Gifted, and Black, Aretha Franklin's album, there's a song, Rock Steady. And it's not actually her singing it. It's the backup singers. But they say, wave your hands up in the arrow. Got the feeling it ain't got a caro. Does that count? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay, that's the best I could do. Um. Yeah, it's it's kind of like <laughs> That's the best I could do answering a question. Nobody asked. It's kind of like everybody say ho, everybody say ho, ho, now yeah. scream. <laughs> like I feel like a hundred artists have done it at this time, and yet if yep. you do it live, everybody's gonna know what to do. It's true. 
Um, one more thing that I think will be a good segue into uh, what we're listening to. Um, I mentioned Ti in the in the intro, and uh, Ti recorded a song with. Okay, so let me back up. Uh, are you familiar with Victoria Monet, who just won yes. the Best New Artist Grammy? So Absolutely. Victoria Monet makes uh, really good pop records, but like back at the like about. 10, 15 years ago, uh, 10 years ago, she was, she got her start like as a songwriter for other people. She appeared on a Nas album and then she made like a couple of like really indie pop EPs that I absolutely love called Nightmares and Lullabies Volume 1 and 2. Uh, and I would recommend everyone listen to those. It is incredible songwriting. And there is one song with a, uh, a guest for, spot from T.I. Uh, where he says this line just with the most beautiful delivery that I'm not going to do it justice, but he says, lights out in an abandoned apartment. And every time I turn the lights off as I'm leaving my house, I think lights out in an abandoned <laughs> apartment. It's so good. <laughs> um, and I want to mention about T-Pain before we move yeah. on. Uh, if you haven't watched the show, This Is Pop on Netflix, mm. there there's an episode about T-Pain and about how he got basically pigeonholed into this, the the auto-tune guy. Sure. Um, he is extremely, extremely talented. Yeah. Like if you've never heard him sing, well, he won. He won Masked Singer, right? Is that possible? You are asking me a question that I'm never going to. Or know he was. He was to. at least on it. Well, he's got a fantastic voice, yeah. and and there there are a couple of scenes with him singing. If you've never heard T Pain sing without auto tune, he's fantastic. Okay. Hi- yeah. Highly recommend. All right, Jake. What you listening to? Well, we're back, folks. Um, yes. So I've got three. Uh, this month we'll start with the smile they put out a new album wall of eyes this is the band with tom york and johnny greenwood of radiohead i miss radiohead (laughs) um maybe this is what they would sound like now i don't know uh it's just a little slow and kind of ethereal for me they write songs without hooks uh often without singable melodies often without bridges it's fine it just I want to be excited again yeah. about Tom York and Johnny Greenwood. They so. made a funny video for one of the songs on this album where they're like playing in like a, a school gym to a bunch of young kids who are like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's really good. Like they're able to laugh at themselves. Yeah. Um, and and I will welcome new music all the time. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to bash this. I just I really miss Radiohead. And I, I hope they come back. At some OK, point. well, I think you're going to like one of my picks. Um. My next choice is actually an album from 2019. I discovered this band called Thank You Scientist, and one of their albums, their most recent album, is called Terraformer, and it just gets me so excited. It is like Snarky Puppy, Iron Maiden, Coheed and Cambria, Tool, and more. It's like jazz meets okay. fusion meets rock, Uh and and some emo in there. They unfortunately just lost their lead singer, but the music is so good. I'm interested to see what happens. Okay, next. so you wrote this. Did he die or did he leave the band? He left the band okay. to for, to spend more time with his family. Okay, uh, and you know they're not a huge band, obviously, and, and they are they are also a huge band. And then they're in that there's like eight to ten people at a time. Okay, that's cool. hard to tour with. Yeah, that like I I love seeing or listening to a band like that. Like I it gives me hives like imagining like being the manager of that band right yeah um it's just how how are you supposed to make money 
Anyway, uh, it is so I find it so difficult to like like get it together to like meet up to play with one other person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and finally, Paramore put out an album last year called "This Is Why," mm-hmm. and my third pick is "Re This Is Why," okay. which is the the album. This is why was fantastic. If you haven't heard it, but in August, a quote unquote remix album came out. And it's really actually reimagined versions of the song that the songs on This Is Why. And it's got Foles, the Linda's, Linda's, Panda Bear, Wet Leg, Julian Baker, and more singing Paramore songs. And not I didn't know about that. Not everything works, but the stuff that does is really, really great. And I hate to say it, but I may actually enjoy it more than the actual album. Okay. So speaking of Radiohead and uh, speaking of bands that sound like Radiohead, one of my picks uh, is Juno Dream. Uh, Pools of Color is the album. Juno Dream is the band. And I'm going to say they are very much inspired by the bands. And uh, if you also, if you enjoyed like any of the bands in our Britpop trilogy of, of Blur, Oasis, and Pulp, I think you're going to like this. Uh, there's, uh, it's, it, it's like, you know, it's very polished and you can easily hear it being like, you know, songs they would play on your favorite teen drama, whatever the teen drama these days is. Um, but like the songwriting is really sharp and clever and uh, just great hooks. I, I think uh, I think you in particular, Jake, will enjoy it. I'll check it out. OK. Uh, another new act. Um, the uh, the Paranoid Style is the name of the band and the album is The Interrogator. And uh, this band is best known for a few years ago. They like found the warehouse out outside of which they uh, journey filmed the separate ways video and they filmed a video for one of their own songs like in exactly the same style oh, have you seen this i no i took this as you as that they actually remade separate ways no they did not cover separate ways they like played one of their own songs outside the same warehouse doing the same dance moves and funny camera angles that's also pretty yes. genius um and i would the way i would just des- uh, describe the paranoid style uh and i mean this uh in a in a very lovely in a supportive way is it's kind of dumb music with extremely smart lyrics so just like catchy silly having a good time but also like you know one of their songs is uh, is called i love the sound of structured class <laughs> <laughs> like what I don't know you know what that means like clearly like the the singer songwriter is much smarter than me and I'm here for it. And then Jake are you I think you are familiar cuz I was like raving about them uh, by text uh the band MS Paint. Uh I I still haven't listened to it. Okay. I love the name. Yeah. Genius. So so this came out last year but it's new to me. It is a it is a like post-punk punk rock band from the south and their their gimmick is they don't have a guitarist they just have like a bassist with a fuzz pedal and a keyboard player but they are incredibly high energy like smart lyrics super hooky punk rock and the thing that got me was I'm listening and they have what I think is the most punk rock chorus I've ever heard in my life like they should win the Nobel Prize for punk rock for this because it goes burn all the flags and the symbols of man <laughs> and just like shouted like three times in a row like this is it they've distilled punk rock into like one line that's awesome uh i also want to add in here uh i i've started like thinking about each month what i've seen live because i go to a lot of shows still and i saw madonna last sunday really yeah i decided last minute to go and i got great seats i did not even know she was in town she played two shows saturday and sunday and well she doesn't sound 
great. She, yeah. She I've sings a little flat. She's 65. Okay. And the yeah. show is two hours and 15 minutes, and it is one of the most outrageous productions I have ever seen in my life. It, like, for anybody to nail this would be impressive. Yeah. And she has still got it it was sexy it was loud it was amazing did she wear a cone bra she did wear a cone bra yes and at the end she she pays homage to herself and all her eras by a bunch of her dancers coming out in different outfits from eras of her career so good it like including a a girl dressed in the a league of their own outfit. Like it's <laughs> the the whole production is fantastic. If you get a chance to catch it, I highly recommend it. That's awesome. Okay, uh, you can find us at www.hiddenjukebox.com, facebook.com slash hidden jukebox, instagram.com slash jukebox hidden on all of your favorite streaming platforms. And until next time, I'm Jake Amster. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton.